Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Quit eating your burgers on a coffee table. If you want to eat a burger, put it on a bar. Follow your instincts to B-dubs for the new all-American cheeseburger. Fresh, juicy beef smashed till it's crispy around the edges, covered in gooey cheese, and stacked to the ceiling with deliciousness. And knock that baby down with a frosted beer at the bar. Just like the sports gods intended. The new all-American cheeseburger at Buffalo Wild Wings. Roar! Please drink responsibly. Get to Old Navy, Saturday and Sunday only. All Old Navy Active's on sale for 50% off. Get all your family's favorite mesh tees, go-dry shorts, and active styles for 50% off Saturday and Sunday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 622 to 623 excludes in-store clearance. Listening to Sean Harrison on Amp Live Talk Radio, a place for amputees and those dealing with limb loss. The views expressed on the show by the host, co hosts, and guests are their own. Always seek medical advice from a licensed medical professional. Everybody back to another episode of Amp Life Talk Radio. Uh, some interesting things going here on my going on on my console here. I got to uh, kind of set up all my sounds and bits and everything because I popped in here and nothing was where I needed it to be. But I want to welcome everybody back to another episode of Amp Life Talk Radio. I'm always appreciative of everybody coming in and listening to the show. I'm so thankful that I have so many of you that do listen to me. I'm very, uh, man, I can't even, I can't even find words to say it. I'm so thankful for everybody that does, uh, listen to the show and everybody that likes the show. Uh, when I was on blog talk radio, that format there, we had so many people that were listening to us from all over the world and different parts of the country. I was really pleased and happy with that. And I hope that some of you are still able to get that and hear us because one of the things I was concerned about was moving platforms and moving over here and making sure we can still keep that same audience. So if you are out there and you were listening to us on Blog Talk Radio, I hope that you can get it. I just wanted to get that out of the way before I started the show because that's something that I have been thinking about, it's been kind of bugging me, and I've been kind of worried about it. I just want to make sure everyone can actually listen to the show. Uh, I work so hard at getting everything up and where it needed to be at. I just want to make sure those of you that were listening to us on those other platforms, you can still hear us on um, this platform because I think it is so important for the listeners to be able to get us uh, that started with us and that were... Uh, man, you were there from day one. I just really hope that all of you are still being able to get us out there. Now, with that little bit of stuff out of the way, sorry about all that, but I just wanted to make sure that was out there. For those of you that have uh, us now, and those of you new, old to the show, I'd like to welcome everybody back to another episode of the show, Amp Life Talk Radio. 
uh, empowering amputees with knowledge and support to make a real difference because no one should have to go through limb loss alone. Today's show, Season 2, Episode 17, The Diabetic Amputee. What does that mean? Well, we're going to be talking about that today. Tonight, we're going to be talking about a very uh, important subject. Um, As most of you know that our amputees, for me, there are two types of amputees. There's traumatic amputees caused by a traumatic event. There are disease uh, amputees caused by something that was disease-related. As we see more diabetic amputees than anyone, I thought it was good to do a show titled The Diabetic Amputee and talk about some of the things that are important for you as a diabetic amputee to know and to understand. And if you are a diabetic who doesn't have an amputation, this show will have some valuable information even for you in the show. We know that diabetes is the number one cause for amputations in the world. There are two types of amputations I see disease or diabetic-related amputees and traumatic amputations, as I mentioned before. Approximately 115,000 to 135,000 lower limb amputations are performed in the United States annually. An estimated 70 to 90% of these are the result of peripheral vascular disease. The greater percentage, 45 to 83%, are of peripheral vascular disease-related amputations being related to diabetes. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention estimated that in 2002, about 82,000 non-traumatic amputations were performed in people with diabetes. Patients with diabetes are 15 times more likely to undergo a second amputation than the general population. This estimated annual cost in dollars in 2001 of amputations of toes, the foot or leg attributed to diabetes was about $2 billion. The rate of new amputations after one, three, and five years has been suggested to be 14%, 30%, and 49% respectively. The mortality rate one, three, and five years after the first amputation was found to be 15%, 38%, and 68% respectively. Everyone reacts to the loss of a limb differently. Limb loss can leave you feeling anxious and vulnerable and uncertain about the future. Your body has experienced a significant change when you go through an amputation. It is important to remember that your ability to adapt to these changes will become easier over time. If you're, a di- if you're a diabetic amputee, there are some important things you should know about protecting your sound side, the limb that was left without the amputation, avoiding the pitfalls that could lead to more complications. Tonight, let us talk about those. Before we get started with our first segment of the show, I'd like to 
let you know who's sponsoring this segment of the show. OrthoMed Center and Dr. Brayton of Modesto, California. Segment one, amputee assessment. Diabetes, the leading cause of non-traumatic lower extremity amputation, is in, well, in the U.S., with 60% of all non-traumatic uh, amputations, they are occurring in diabetic, in diabetic patients. From this, it is clear that the majority of patients that a physical therapist will see during rehab will have diabetes. It is so important to note that diabetes is, when in physical therapy, something that we need to make sure that as a diabetic patient, we are treating that patient so that we can protect the sound limb. Keep in mind, diabetes affects negatively the entire body system. Every system of the body, diabetes attaches or attacks, and it is all affected from diabetes. The patient must be aware of the potential impact diabetes has on their body, on their rehabilitation, and on their mobility goals after the amputation. Not only will the physical therapist who's going to be working with you need to promote mobility, they must also protect your sound limb, the limb that you're going to be using primarily during your physical therapy and mobility training. There are some important factors that we need to talk about. Keep in mind, Diabetics are 15 times more likely to undergo a lower limb extremity than non-diabetics. Furthermore, diabetics who have undergone a lower limb amputation have a 55% greater risk of death than non-diabetics. The risk of reamputation is greater in a diabetic patient with the rate of amputation of the sound limb being 11.6% at the first year and 53.3% at five years. What does that mean? What that means is this. As a diabetic patient, you must be aware of how to protect your sound side limb. You must be aware that you have to do certain things to keep your blood sugar levels in order. The odds are against you. With this in mind, protection of the diabetic amputee's sound limb has more meaning. One study found that in diabetic patients have an in have an identifiable and potential pivotal event in most cases and episodes involving minor trauma that cause injury to proceed 69 to 80% of amputations. The amputee's initial post-surgical assessment has many significant components. After surgery, you're going to be assessed in physical therapy. I get a lot of patients who just came out of their surgery. They can't figure out why a physical therapist is in their room asking them questions. The majority of those patients are diabetic patients. Well, the first step is to obtain a baseline of information necessary to determine the goals for the rehabilitation team, and to formulate a treatment plan for you. I've had to explain this to several patients who wanted nothing to do with the physical therapist when they came in their room. And it is quite understandable. You just had your leg amputated. You're trying to figure out why is somebody in my room bugging me 
and asking me questions about, can I stand? Can I get up? Can I do this? It's because typically when you're in a hospital, the physical therapy team there is trying to develop this baseline of information, which is going to be necessary for when you move on to a skilled nursing facility so that they can work with you. Now, however, to help restore the amputee to his or her um, pre-morbid lifestyle with a positive attitude, the rehabilitation team must view the amputation surgery as a constructive procedure. Most physical therapists out there do. Doctors view it as a reconstructive procedure. We never look at an amputation as a deconstructive uh, procedure. Even though most patients feel that way and think that way, it's not. We must take actions to prevent further injury, keeping you from falling and doing things that we don't want you to do. Now, this is going to require that the amputee is immediately, immediately taught the effective care for the healing of the residual limb, and to be instructed in functional skills, protection of your sound limb, and avoidance of physical reconditioning, all in preparation for the prosthetic training. You're probably sitting there going, what does this mean? Well, as a diabetic amputee, there you're not like a person with who doesn't have uh, diabetes so things have to be a little hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. A little bit different for you in the way that a physical therapist, one, has to work with you, and two, how you get back up and get back moving in life. We need to make sure that you understand certain things. Throughout the short term, the amputee is seen basically on an inpatient basis that you're in a hospital or a skilled nursing facility by the rehabilitation team. Now, keep in mind, they are focused on you trying to get you uh, into a total rehabilitation process from acute stages of, of laying on your back, being on your back, no foot. They're trying to get you up and get you ready for your prosthesis. Now, ideally, the rehabilitation process from the acute stages, typically once we would like for people to be able to have prosthetic training while they're at a rehabilitation center. Unfortunately, in today's atmosphere of insurance, that never really happens and rarely happens because of insurance costs and from what I have seen, patients being pushed out of facilities way too soon, thanks to Medicare. So, educating the person can reduce the anxiety of not knowing what lies ahead and enhance compliance as the amputee is made aware of the entire process, including the value of each step. That's right. As a diabetic amputee, you must learn the value of each step in this process and why it's important. The inclusion of an amputee support or an amputee peer visitor, such as myself, who is certified and trained to be a tremendous asset when they are well informed and hold views that are consistent with those of your rehabilitation team. Being put in touch with somebody like myself, a certified peer visitor who is working with your team, rehabilitation team, to help you get back up and get back to life, helping you understand the process and all the steps so that there is no confusion and you understand why these people 
the physical therapists are trying to do what they're trying to do with you. I have found personally what I do with amputees with this in regards to this is very valuable. Taking an amputee who is basically laying in a room, depressed, emotionally distraught, physical therapy tries to come in and work with the patient. The amputee wants nothing to do with that pa- with that team. They are just in a whole different place. I typically get a phone call. I go in. I meet with the patient. We talk. I help them understand, one, why I'm there. But more, more than anything, I listen to the amputee. And I tell them, what are you scared of? I always ask, what are you scared of? Tell me what you're afraid of. Tell me what your concerns are, what your fears are. And I help them deal with those fears all along, never really letting them know that I'm an amputee. I'm saying key words along the way, and then eventually he clues in or she clues in, and they'll ask me. And I'll say, oh, you didn't know, and I'll show them. The change in that person, that's what I look for. A person who is sitting there with no hope now has hope. The Amputee Coalition of America, which is a nonprofit organization, has developed a national peer network. I'm part of that network here in Central, Cali- uh, Central California, the Central Valley, um, which I am a certified peer visitor. And I, like I said, for Central Valley, California, I think I'm the only person up this way with credentials. Uh, this, they also have a nationwide network. So, If you're listening to the show, you're probably nationwide. They have a nationwide network of peer visitors who are also available to provide encouragement and information and serve as role models for those who have recently lost limbs. I hope everyone takes advantage of that resource because it is such a valuable, valuable resource. We're going to come back with segment two after this quick break. Segment two of the show deals with rehabilitation of the amp of the diabetic amputee. The primary goals of rehabilitation after a lower limb amputation are to increase mobility. It's the biggest thing we want to do: gain our independence back, increase the potential of success with future prosthetic function and devices. As with any patient, these goals to increase mobility may at odd may be at odds with the goal of maximizing safety. Safety first in everything we do. However, when working with a diabetic amputee, safety is of the utmost importance as they are more susceptible to injuries and tissue failures while increasing their mobility. So while working at rehab, our diabetic amputee faces different issues than a non-diabetic patient. This coupled with the knowledge that their healing rates are slower than non-diabetics puts them at a greater risk of significant proportionate complications so you face an uphill battle basically when you are a diabetic amputee because you have so much more that we have to be concerned with as your team helping you get back on your feet the rehabilitation team and when I say we me and my job and what I do director of patient care for synergy prosthetics 
I have a very hands-on approach with all my patients. I come to therapy sessions because I think it's very important for me to be there to make sure I'm there to answer any questions that you might have or your therapist might have on what we need to do and how we can help you when it comes to you getting into that prosthetic device. I'm also there for encouragement. Now, safety goals take two main forms. Prevent injury due to falls, the biggest thing we want to do, and prevent damage by reducing abnormal stresses on the now known compromised tissue of your sound limb, known as the contralateral limb. Promoting mobility and recovering while also protecting your sound limb. Diabetics affects most is, or diabetes affects us most if all the tissue in the body is not properly looked after. That means not just your amputated leg, diabetes affects all of the tissue in the human body. Not just the sound limb, not just the amputated leg, but diabetes will affect all the tissue in your body. So when we're in this process and in this phase, we need to make sure we're paying attention to all your skin and making sure we're doing things properly and right. One of the things that you're gonna be getting into when you're in your rehabilitation, transfer training. We want to make sure we do this properly and safely. Now, I wanna make sure this is clear. As a diabetic amputee, transfer training wouldn't be such a big deal, but because you are a diabetic amputee, we really need to pay attention to protecting the sound limb. I'm going to keep reiterating that throughout this entire show because it is so important to know that. And you'll come to find out why as we go over some of these numbers for the stats that it shows why we should protect the sound limb. While performing level surface transfers, the diabetic amputee is at risk of placing abnormal stresses on your sound limb. While doing transfers, you will be doing a lot of of pivoting and spinning on the sound limb foot. This occurs when the diabetic amputee moves their body weight over their intact limb or the intact limb's foot, your sound limb's foot, the foot that is not amputated when you're transferring that weight over that limb, over that foot, when it is planted on the ground. If the amputee does not adjust or reposition the foot during the transfer, the stress of the transfer is absorbed into the tissue of the foot. I know that sounds so crazy, but there is a right way to do transfers and there is a wrong way to do transfers. I have come into facilities on several occasions taking my leg off and showing patients how to do transfers safely. This rotation or this rotational force places shear forces that can cause micro trauma to the tissues of the foot. As a diabetic patient, your skin is very sensitive and easy to break down. The diabetic amputee is not aware of these increased stresses or potential damage because there is often a decrease a decreased in protective sensation. You don't have the feeling that you need in that intact foot to feel that you're putting these abnormal stresses on the ball of your foot, the heel of your foot. Therefore, you don't even know that something's going on. And this is during the transfer Something that physical therapy is going to work with you on because it's something that you're going to do a lot when you're at home. That's why it's very important for you to understand the potential hazards if you're doing this wrong. Now, in order to prevent this from occurring, the physical therapist who's going to be working with you 
should teach the diabetic patient to move slowly during the transfer and to move their body weight in smaller increments. Don't take off a big chunk, go smaller. I always tell patients that. When you're getting ready to do a transfer from point A to point B, take off a, take off a little chunk instead of trying to take off a big chunk. Couple reasons for that. One, we don't wanna uh, create these uh, forces on parts of our foot that might uh, break down. Two, you're not gonna fall. There's nothing worse than trying to bite off too much, transferring too far of a distance misjudging, slipping, and falling. It is important that they reposition their foot at each increment to accommodate the movement. So you're going to be moving your foot, twisting. If you've been without a foot, you kind of know what this is all about, trying to transfer and move around. It's pretty difficult to do, even for me as a non-diabetic, if I was wearing um, if I was not wearing my foot and still doing it right. Over time, it is so important to do this right because of wear and tear. Now, functional strength deficits in the diabetic amputee upper extremities, arm strength is always so important, may also affect their ability to move in smaller increments in the transfer uh, surface. Therefore, it is important for our physical therapist to assist or asset or asset. I'm sorry. It is important for them to assess and address any weaknesses in your arms or upper body to make sure that they're helping you do this technique successfully and right. I got tongue tied there for a little bit. <laughs> Cat got your tongue. So that's one part of what you're going to be going through as a diabetic amputee into your uh, rehabilitation. Now, probably the most important part of your training as a diabetic amputee is going to be gait training. Gait is the most potential hazardous activity for the amputee as a diabetic patient. Although falls are a significant danger to the diabetic amputee, However, there is also an often overlooked danger to or danger of tissue damage at the sound limb side. Unilateral, unilateral gait, even with an assistive device, places greater demand on that sound limb. During gait training with the amputee, the physical, the physical therapist must be aware of the potential for abnormal stresses and force. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. On the sound side. And intervene if they find this in order to mitigate these stresses. So they'll be watching you very closely. Again... It is important to note that a diabetic amputee has tissue that is less resilient and less able to tolerate the stresses of transferring and gait training. How the diabetic lifts their foot off the ground to initiate the swing and how they land onto their foot to initiate contact affects the number of stresses placed on the sound limb or the sound foot during gait. 
Abnormal high stress often occurs at an initial contact or at the landing of the intact limb, the foot. That means you're getting your heel strike. If the landing of the sound limb step is hard and forceful, there will be an increased shear force placed on the foot, the heel. Observe if you are doing this, if you're in therapy, the physical therapist will observe and see if you're doing this. If you are doing this, uh, we want to correct that as soon as possible. Now, a lot of times we catch amputees doing a hopping action in order to bring their uh, leg forward, causing a hard, uncontrolled landing. Something that the physical therapist needs to keep an eye on. Something that if you are working with a specific prosthetic company, they need to keep an eye on. This occurs if they are not strong enough to effectively lift their body weight with their limb. So you've got your amputated side, which has to support you during the swing phase onto the assistive other side. So as you get up and you start walking, you're going to have to put even weight on both sides, your amputated side or your prosthetic side with your uh, sound side. So gait training with you is going to be something that is going to be very important. If, the di- if you as a diabetic uh, amputee are able to lift your body weight with your upper extremities onto an assisted device effectively, you're good to go. That's going to help you out a lot. Strengthening should be definitely incorporated into the treatment plan if you have a patient uh, with a lower limb extremity. I'm always telling my patients to work out their arms because I know how much I use my arms during the process when I don't have my legs on or my foot, <clears throat> we'll say. I don't want to say legs because I only got one leg amputated. So um, very, very important that you do that. Now, you may need to be shown this technique of lifting their body weight onto an assistive, an assistive device and slowly lowering your weight onto the intact limb. Most physical therapists can do this. I love working with physical therapists because I can take off my leg and show them how to do this. It is very, uh, how can we say, handy that I can do that. (laughs) Now, during all the gait training sessions, regardless of whatever uh, assistive device you use, your physical therapist must ensure that you are able to be or you are able to have control. Control is important. It allows you to have a soft landing with each step that you take. At at any point, um, if you, uh, you're going to get tired and you're going to feel weak, you want to make sure um, you rest. Even when you're out walking, let's say you get out and you're doing good. I get patients all the time. They get their prosthetic, they get out, they overdo it. You're in physical therapy, you get tired, you're doing gait training, let them know so that you can rest. Because when you get when you get tired, you get sloppy. And sloppiness can be bad. Okay? It'll mess your gait up. You're gonna start overcompensating in certain areas. As a diabetic patient, you can't do that with your sound limb. So just remember that. If you get tired, you're out, you're walking, you're in physical therapy, you're doing some type of training especially gait training. If you're tired, let them know, take a break, get back up, try again. Don't do it when you're too tired because what I find is patients get sloppy. They start to bend over. They start to overcompensate on whatever side it is. And then that can lead you into trouble. Remember, we have to protect our skin. Skin is a big issue. Tissue is a big issue when you are an amputee and a diabetic. We're going to get into segment three of the show right after a quick break. And we're going to talk about some really cool stuff and wrap this up here in a little bit. Sean Harrison.
gang, we're back from that. I just need to wet my whistle a little bit. You know, it's hot out here in the Central Valley. Segment three, what causes people with diabetes to have more amputations? Now, that is a good question. That is something that we need to look at. Before I get into this, I want to let you know about this segment of the show is sponsored by Valley Healing Wound Center of Modesto, California. Let's look at some of the factors that make it more likely for a person with diabetes to end up with an amputation. Well, for starters, some of the factors that contribute to amputation for diabetics are nerve damage, diabetic neuropathy, neuropathy, uh, causes uh, decreased filling, and a person with diabetes cannot fill. Uh, they definitely can't fill it when they get attacked or something in their foot. I know I did uh, <clears throat> I did work out at Santa Clara Medical Center, and we would have patients come in that they would have the darndest things in their shoe, uh, eyeglasses, shades, uh, quarters, thumbtacks, glass, I mean, everything. So as a diabetic patient, <clears throat> it's important for you to check your shoes before you put them on. Very, very important. Some other things. Skin changes from, uh, skin changes from diabetes cause the skin, uh, cause the skin to break down. And this is uh, combined with diabetic nerve damage and poor circulation, which leads to what? Non-healing ulcers. So skin is a big issue when you are a uh, diabetic. And if you are an amputee that is a diabetic, that skin still becomes a big issue. You have now have your leg in a socket and you have a sound leg that is going to be getting um, a lot of work. Calluses from the feet. Ulcers develop that are non-healing. Poor circulation, including peripheral vascular and arterial disease. External factors that we can control, like whether or not we smoke, which is a huge one that I see with patients. And I cannot stress to you enough, if you listen to my voice and you are not a diabetic, please stop smoking. If you are a diabetic, please stop smoking. If you have just been amputated, please stop smoking. I cannot stress that enough to you. It is one of the number one things I see with patients that leads them down a road of slow healing, more complications down the road. It is just one of those things to where I wish I could get every patient and let them know how important it is for them to, t to stop smoking for their future health. So, so important. And I cannot stress that enough to you if you hear my voice out there. Stop smoking if you are smoking. It is something that you can easily control. Uh, smoking will increase the risk of diabetes, uh, non-healing ulcers, and will eventually lead to an amputation. Now, prolonged high blood sugar. Uncontrolled diabetes is what it's called. Causes complications of diabetes, including nerve damage, neuropathy, and poor circulation. High blood pressure, if it's uncontrolled over time, will contribute to the development of non-healing ulcers and subsequent amputation. When nerve damage and circulation is poor, an infection can set in. And once the wound is, uh, once the wound um, is gangrenous, amputation is required. So, those things right there contribute to amputations for diabetic patients. Be aware of those. Know that information. Some of those you can control. Some of those you cannot. Let's break down a few of these reasons for uh, amputations a bit further. Why do people with diabetes have more amputations? 
That is probably the number one question that everyone wants to know that is a diabetic patient. It is true that all people with diabetes can be plagued with a whole host of skin and foot problems related to peripheral artery disease, PAD, and diabetic neuropathy, also nerve damage, all that can occur from years of high blood sugar and other things that we mentioned above. A small nick in the skin can lead to a non-healing ulcer, which can quickly turn to gangrene and necessitate an amputation. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it can happen that quick. I have seen it with my own eyes. I've heard it with my own ears. I have patients that will tell you that story um, over and over. And I, I cannot stress to you um, the importance of taking care of your skin and your blood sugar levels and your health to prevent amputations. Neurathopy, patients with this know the all too familiar pins and needles, the burning pains in the fingers and toes. This numb feeling makes it uh, more difficult for people with diabetes to feel pain, which leads us to a problem when we have something happen, a small cut or injury to our to our feet we don't even know what's going on and if we don't catch it soon enough and we don't stay on top of that the poor circulation the numbness and changes in the shape of uh, the anatomy of the feet all these things make it really hard if you're not paying attention to not go down the road of an amputation please check your skin check your feet on a daily daily basis Segment four of the show as we get ready to end this talk deals with life after amputation. So I think we've kind of ran the gamut on this topic. Now we're going to get into life after amputation. You're a diabetic patient. You now have had an amputation. What's next? Many people with diabetes have coped with amputation. It's no new, it's no new road, it's no new story. Finding ways to be active and to participate in life. Continue on with work, playing sports, growing up, playing with grandbabies. Now, from research, life expectancy after amputation is a serious picture with a very bleak outlook. If you are a diabetic amputee, we need to take the things that we're talking about tonight so serious because they can affect you in such a big, big way. We need to look past the, the statistics that I gave you earlier. Those stats, those statistics, we need to look past those and find hope. We need to understand that we need to take control of the things that we can control so that we can move on and live our life, even as a diabetic amputee. A person living with diabetes and amputation can have a full life. I have known quite a few people with diabetes who have been able to get up and moving all safely, living life much longer than the five-year statistic that we read in the beginning after their first amputation. Some that I know you can't even tell that they're an amputee. So take that to heart. With the right attitude, you can prevail with, with this. That is why I do this show. That is why I try and provide this information. It is important to understand. It is important to know how to take this information and use it to your advantage. 
we were talking about the sound side, our sound limb. You'll hear that a lot, the sound side, your sound limb. How's your sound leg looking? That is a leg that is not amputated. It is so important. Preservation of that sound limb in many cases allows people to continue walking and delays further medical complications that can reduce their life, their quality of life. Protecting that sound limb, having the knowledge to know how to do that is what I tried to provide with you tonight. One main reason for this concern is that the sound limb routinely compensates for the amputee's inability to maintain an equal weight distribution between limbs, your prosthetic limb and your sound limb. You're always going to be trying to distribute that weight evenly as you walk, not working one side too hard or the other, resulting in an and an altered walking mechanics, gait training. Why it's so important for us to get that right in the beginning? Because you're already going to be affected by that. Two effects of non-amputated limb, of, of the non-amputated limb, raise concern. The first is the additional forces being placed on the weight-bearing surfaces of the foot. That is still a diabetic foot on the other side, even though we have it still intact. We are going to be introducing to the soft tissue more forces placed on it. The skin is going to be at risk for ulcers. Forces placed on it because we're going to be walking on surfaces that could be hard for the for the prosthetic leg to adjust to gravel dirt sand you're going to be putting a lot of force on that sound leg to compensate so we want to be very careful to protect that and the second thing we need to make sure is the change in ground reaction forces throughout the skeletal structure of your limb which will place undue stress on your joints, such as your foot, knees, and hips. These different services will do that. We need to make sure we're keeping up with those as we are learning to not overwork our sound side. Increased forces placed on the sound limb can be of considerable concern when we are ambulating since the foot often presents the uh, base of everything that we do and as a diabetic patient we still have the same concerns with that sound foot as we did with the amputated foot protecting it using the knowledge that we have to make sure that we don't hurt that foot Foot deformity and muscle weakness, which may make soft tissues vulnerable to injury or ulcers, we need to make sure that we're checking that foot on a daily basis. The general walking pattern of a diabetic patient with neuropathy is tentative. Um, from feeling unsafe, most diabetic patients, when they get in that situation, feel really weird when they walk, especially if you're missing toes on the on your sound side. The loss of sensation can all throw us off. The diminished sensory information, poor balance, and overall lack of stability becomes a factor. Sometimes it leads to slower walking, inconsistent steps as far as how long, the length of your step, these all can place adverse forces or pressures that are going to be applied to that sound foot. So we want to make sure we're taking care of that. We want to make sure that we are paying attention to that. 
able-bodied, able-bodied diabetics amputees with uh, peripheral uh, neuropathy have a higher risk for developing ulcers on the soles of their feet. And this is something that we need to definitely pay attention to. It is believed that most of these ulcers develop during walking. One of the most important things I can say to you is check your feet before and after use just to make sure you are catching things in a timely manner and getting to medical help before it turns bad. 50% of diabetic amputees will also develop sound foot infections and possible amputation within two years of the amputation of the first foot. Therefore, it is so important for the diabetic amputee to be alert to the potential complications that may arise in the residual foot. The term sound limb can be very misleading. In fact, it is probably just a twist of fate that one foot becomes infected before the other and thus only a matter of time before problems begin to arise with the sound limb. If the patient does not take extreme care, please do, my friends. Please do. It is why I do this show. It is why I look up this information. It is why I come on here and talk to you because I want to provide stuff that will help keep you safe, keep you walking, keep you out there living and being happy. The odds are definitely working against the diabetic amputee, especially if any other foot deformity is present, such as toe, toes missing, flat feet, It is so important as the amputee learns to use his or her prosthesis that we pay attention to these things. Because diabetic amputees with neuropathy will often avoid full weight bearing through the prosthetic device, which means you're going to overcompensate on the sound limb and that limb must accept greater proportions of your body weight, typically because the amputee unconsciously tries to get off the prosthetic limb as quickly as possible. The sound limb swings much faster than the normal, striking the ground with greater force, causing increased uh, pressure on the heel of the foot. Please be aware of that. As the prosthetic foot strikes the ground, the body weight often moves rapidly forward or like a rocking motion. You'll get that with amputees. You'll see them like they're rocking forward. That is so important to catch because remember what I said, if you're tired, don't keep pushing yourself. You've got so much going on as, as it is with walking. Once you get tired, you get lazy, you get sloppy. You start to do things that you don't need to do. And that's going to provide or put a lot of pressure and stress on your sound limb, sometimes on the residual limb, which can lead to sores, blisters, and other things that we don't really need to have happen. The diabetic amputee faces a lot of different complications. We can overcome those with knowledge. We can definitely overcome those with knowledge. I want you to understand that, my friends. Even though you are a patient who is a diabetic patient who has now got an amputation, the unsettling um, stats that I gave you in the beginning, that 50% of amputees will have another amputation involving the same or the sound limb within four years after the primary amputation, we can change that. We can change that with knowledge. We can change that with checking, being alert, being aware. Please do. Foot care becomes even more crucial after an amputation for a diabetic amputee. 
especially since a high percentage will lose their sound limb within a few years and their chances of achieving functional ambulation as a bilateral amputee will decline. Therefore, the goal for you and your rehabilitation team must include regular clinical follow-ups, appropriate shoe wear, education, instruction designed to help reduce the risk of skin lesions, undue forces, ulcerations, and additional degenerative um, issues that may affect your sound limb. I want to keep you happy and I want to keep you safe. It is why I do these shows. It is why I come and talk to you about all these things. It's all about keeping you up and keeping you moving, my friends. So I hope that you got something from this show. I hope that some information was given to you. We have covered some very important uh, points and information about diabetic amputees tonight. I hope that you have found this useful. For the makers of prosthetics and those of us that work in the prosthetic industry, every patient is a unique case. This demands not only a solid educational foundation, but a desire to help each patient realize their fullest capability. And when we are talking about diabetic amputees, it becomes vital. It is important to recognize that the prosthesis itself is not the end product. Rather, it is a part of an overall treatment plan that represents a combination of planning and execution designed specifically to maximize the functional potential of the person for whom it was designed to help them regain a normal and active life. I would like to thank each and every one of you for tuning in tonight and listening to the show. I would like to thank everybody for watching on Facebook as I do these live. I would like to thank everyone that listens on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or however you listen to the show. Please like and send me your comments. Leave your comments on Facebook. You can go over to AmpLifeTalkRadio.com and do the same there. I welcome your comments, your criticism, your feedback. Please let me have it. Please share it with me. It is why I do this show. It is why I do what I do. I also want to put out there that soon, very soon, we may have our very own app on Spreaker.com. You download it to your phone and you can listen to the show live. That's right, my friends. We're going to have an Amp Life Talk Radio app. So I hope that you will download that to your phone so you can actually listen to this live. You can go over and download the app right now with just Spreaker and listen to the show even without our customized app. But the customized Amp Life Talk Radio app is coming. I want to thank you all again for listening and putting up with me babble on about all this information. I really appreciate your support. And I want to thank each and every one of you for making Amp Life Talk Radio a part of your Wednesdays. Thank you. You are listening to Sean Harrison on Amp Life Talk Radio, a place for amputees and those dealing with limb loss. The views expressed on the show by the host, co-hosts, and guests are their own. Always seek medical advice from a licensed medical professional. out the show there quit eating your burgers on a coffee table 
If you want to eat a burger, put it on a bar. Follow your instincts to B-dubs for the new All-American Cheeseburger. Fresh, juicy beef smashed till it's crispy around the edges, covered in gooey cheese, and stacked to the ceiling with deliciousness. And knock that baby down with a frosted beer at the bar. Just like the sports gods intended. The new All-American Cheeseburger at Buffalo Wild Wings. Roar! Please drink responsibly. Five-hour tea with caffeine from green tea leaves. It's delicious, energizing, and comes in three amazing flavors. With zero sugar and four calories, it fits your life. With its compact size and portability, it goes where you go. To the campsite, the hiking trail, the beach, without weighing you down. Five-hour tea. Caffeine from green tea leaves. Release your natural side from the makers of Five-Hour Energy. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. Try five-hour tea today. Look for five-hour tea at your local Circle K store. 